Hello and welcome to Just Jets episode number 174. What is going on? I am Matt O'Leary, going to hang out with you today as we go through some topics on the New York Jets, including something they desperately have to change in 2023, uh, something else uh, that is a good thing getting compared to the 2020 Tampa Bay Bucks. We got audio files, we got your voicemails, but before all of that, a word from our sponsor over at Manscaped. Guys, the summer is here. Is your summer body ready? If not, that's okay, too, because your friends over at Manscaped have you situated with the Lawnmower 4.0 or the Performance Package. If you grew some man tits during the winter, that's okay. You can at least clean them up. You don't need that Austin Powers-like chest hair popping out at the beach. And I got a promo code for you to save 20% at Manscaped.com. Use my code JETS20, that is J-E-T-S-2-0, for 20% off. And free shipping. Fun fact, I am actually wearing the cologne today from Manscaped. So if you're not really game with the shaving, that's fine. Your body, your choice. But maybe you could smell nice with the Manscaped cologne, which is what I am rocking today. Pick it up at the store using my promo code JETS20. All right, let's hop into today's episode. I am not feeling 100%, uh, as you can maybe tell by the voice struggling today which is not ideal obviously as we have to record the show we have talking jets at eight o'clock so uh you're watching this after the fact so you've probably already seen talking jets which i appreciate you guys tuning in but if for whatever reason you don't know what i'm talking about every tuesday at 8 p.m myself ryan from jets talk 24 7 and green bean do the talking jets panel the three of us we go for two hours we bounce around some topics of the week uh, and it's a whole lot of fun, and I appreciate you guys checking that out. We're on a new channel over there at the Talking Jets channel. Uh, but I'm not, as I said, I'm not 100%. The voice isn't really 100% there, so I thank you in advance for bearing with me. I know it's not ideal, but we're going to get through this together because I'm a champ, right? We got to go through, power through. We need to talk about the Jets in June. God forbid we take any time off. Okay, so the first thing that I wanted to get into was a glaring issue that the New York Jets need to fix. And it was actually pointed out by friend of this program, friend of the show, Rich Samini of ESPN. In an article that he wrote this week, he was talking about Jets positional groups and whether they've improved or how much they've changed. Going from 2022 into 2023, and when talking about the tight ends, it's pretty similar to last year's group. Obviously, the top three with, uh, in no particular order, Conklin, Uzama, and Rucker. Those three guys are the main ones. Then throw in uh, Kenny Yaboa is still in the mix, and you draft Koontz, and there's some other guys who could maybe push their way onto the roster. But for the most part, that is still you know, the room that you saw last year. But a glaring, glaring number that I saw and that he pointed out in the article that he wrote is red zone production from the Jets tight end room. Normally you get down in the red zone and you find your nice big tight end uh, and they eat up some touchdowns. Yeah, they're not going to put up a ton of yardage unless your name's like George Kittle or Travis Kelsey. There's outliers to the rule, right? But for the most part, tight ends do their damage in the red zone. One would think. Well, last year in 2022, the New York Jets did not utilize the tight end in the red zone, at least not enough. They had just four red zone receptions, four on the year. That's almost unfathomable. That's unbelievable that your tight ends only had four, all of them, not just one. I'm not talking just Tyler Conklin. I'm not talking just CJ Uzama. I'm not talking just Jeremy Rucker. Your entire tight end room only had four. Now, what went into that? Was it? Production at the tight end. You can make a case that 
uh, Conklin and Uzama were slightly underwhelming in their first year as the New York Jets. I think that is fair to say about both those guys. I don't think anyone would get upset with that. Uh, Tyler Conklin at times flashed, and I thought there were moments where he looked good, and I think that with the improved quarterback, which hints we're going to get into that a little bit more uh, in part of the reasoning, uh, I think with an improved quarterback, Tyler Conklin could get more productive this year or at least be maybe a little bit more of a consistent player because I thought that was his biggest or my biggest criticism of Tyler Conklin last year is he was uh, a little inconsistent for me and, and drops were an issue and contested catches as a guy never really came down with a big contested catch for this team. Um, but CJ Uzama, you would thought, all right, red zone target. He was a nice red zone target for Joe Burrow. They didn't use him at all. And Jeremy Rucker, they did not really use as a pass catcher at all last season. But was it quarterback play? You could absolutely make a case that the poor quarterback play came into factor. The Jets ran the ball a lot when they got down by the goal line. Maybe they didn't trust the young Zach Wilson or a decrepit Joe Flacco or uh, a backup quarterback in Mike White to stand in there and make the throws, which is, I guess, again, understandable. And then now this year, you would assume that number is going to go up because one, Aaron Rodgers is just a better quarterback than anyone they had on the roster last year. But he also likes tight ends in the red zone in a great deal. He made Robert Tunyon a pretty productive tight end at times uh, early in, in Tunyon's career. But if you want to look over the last three years, Aaron Rodgers led team. So right, the last three years of production for tight ends on the Green Bay Packers, you're looking at nine red zone receptions, 13 and 12. So double digits in two of the three uh, and nine touchdowns as the low, which is, again, a relatively low number, but you still doubled where the Jets were at. That's double, more than double the Jets' tight end production on a down-year Aaron Rodgers team. I think the Jets' uh, tight end room, excuse me, is more talented on paper than what the Green Bay Packers were running out there over the last couple of years. And this is not me saying that they're going to, you know, it's going to be 2010 New England Patriots with their tight end duo and just Rob prime Rob Gronkowski and, you know, the other tight end going out there and, and catching uh, touchdowns in the red zone. I'm not saying that either, but I think they're going to be significantly more involved with Aaron Rodgers at the quarterback home, right? Like he has the ability to spread the ball around. He doesn't necessarily just get locked into one read, which that's a lot of times what Zach Wilson's biggest problem was. It was, uh, he wasn't progressing through his reads, uh, at least not at an, a, an effective clip. So I think that is the, obviously an issue, right? You have four red zone receptions for tight ends is insane. And I think Nathaniel Hackett will also have something to do with this because when you look at just what, you know, the Broncos and the, the, the Packers offense has been, I mean, two of those seasons, the, the 12 touchdowns and 13 touchdowns were both Nathaniel Hackett-led offenses. And yeah, he likes to run the ball a lot too. That There's no denying that. It's a West Coast system. He is not going to ignore the tight ends as much as what LaFleur did. And maybe some of it wasn't LaFleur's fault. I think he just, LaFleur deserves blame for how bad the offense especially was down the stretch. But he was getting cute in the red zone. That was the biggest issue with uh, Mike LaFleur was he got way too cute inside the red zone. For instance, game on the line, 
going to Braxton Berrios uh, against the Vikings, uh, having to run, you know, trick plays uh, with because your quarterback isn't good enough. So that's part of, again part of the reason why I guess it's not all on him. But the the play calling in the red zone was a real real big issue for the floor. Now, for all of the critiques, and there are legitimate critiques about Nathaniel Hackett and how much was he really involved in the offense in Green Bay with LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers running the show, the one thing that everyone gives credit, whether it's Rodgers or LaFleur or whoever, gives credit to Nathaniel Hackett for is the red zone offense. Having an improved red zone offense, that was his strength his efficiency was figuring out how to play call and how to punch the ball into the end zone because how many times last year the Jets offense move the ball down the field a little bit and then stall and you have to settle for a field goal thank God Greg Zerline was really good for this team last year and obviously I'm glad that he is back with the New York Jets this year but I want to see him less because I want the Jets to be converting and scoring touchdowns instead of settling for three. How you lose games in the NFL is by having to settle for field goals because your offense stalls out. When you go on long, sustained offensive drives that end with a touchdown, and then you could see him run him out there for an extra point, but I don't necessarily want to see him as much kicking those long field goals, man. Get the ball in the red zone and freaking score. And I think involving the tight ends more should be a way to help that. And I do think that's something that the Jets are going to improve on this year. The second thing that I wanted to get into in this episode was the 2020 Bucks comparison. So Jordan Whitehead, uh, the Jets safety, who will be a Jets starting safety, more likely strong safety with Adrian Amos as the free safety for this team. He was also a part of the Super Bowl champion 2020 Buccaneers. He was on the team in 2019 with Jameis Winston. And he was talking about earlier this week, He had a, there was an article on Pro Football Talk where he was talking about the New York Jets situation being similar to when Tom Brady went down to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Here's the direct quote. It was kind of the same situation I fell into when I was with the Bucs. Whitehead said via the team's website, we had a great defense the year before and we just needed uh, the we needed one piece that was missing. I tell the guys it's kind of like deja vu for me. I let everyone know that uh, we have we have to have the right group. That's a good it's a good way to look at it, because in 2019, the Bucks went seven and nine, which last year the Jets went seven and ten. They had the the defense the play the pieces were in place the defensive production wasn't good but they were put in a lot of really bad spots with the number of interceptions Jameis Winston threw a bucket load of interceptions the offense put up a ton of yards and a ton of points but they weren't good because of how many interceptions that they were throwing and the defense was allowing big points but you had a young core in there with prime Mike Evans and prime God, when you add Antonio Brown and Leonard Fournette to that mix, and then you add obviously the biggest piece of all, which is upgrading to uh, Tom Brady at quarterback, and the rest is history. They win a Super Bowl in 2020. They make the playoffs two more times, uh, and and they were a really good football team for for three years with that window because they had. Brady and a really nice young core, which is exactly what you are trying to set up 
with the New York Jets here with their young core. And on the defensive side of the ball specifically, that was their strength last year. They were a top 10 defense in the league. They are more than likely going to be that again, if not a top five defense in the league this upcoming year with Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed, Michael Carter as your corners. Uh, I think that's a really nice corner group. CJ Mosley's the leader of that defense in the middle, even though he's lost a step at this point in his career, he's still a productive linebacker and the defensive line headed by Quinn and Williams is a, a really big strength to this team. Now add that veteran experience to replace the young quarterback who wasn't getting the job done. And that's how you elevate yourself from a nice young team. Who's a little bit away to a legitimate contender. I hope that it turns out exactly like it did with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where you win a Super Bowl in the first year and you have you know playoffs three years in a row with the veteran quarterback. That would be phenomenal. That is, in my opinion, the best case scenario for that to be. Obviously, winning the Super Bowl every single year is the best case scenario, but that's, that's getting way ahead of yourself. Get one in this window, and I think everyone would be satisfied. You have to, at least we did last week's episode, what the floor or what the bar is for this team bar for me is to make the playoffs and win a playoff game but obviously over the span of Aaron Rodgers tenure I'd like to win a Super Bowl that's obviously the goal um and with this defense that they already have in place that like it's really the bigger I guess the biggest difference it really comes down to one thing they had the veteran coach Bruce Arians the Jets coaching staff is still TBD with Robert Sala. I like Robert Sala a lot. I think he is going to be good enough to do the job, but he is a part of the question mark. When you come up with, with this Jets team, there are question marks, and it's very rare that you don't. Like the the Philadelphia Eagles don't have a ton of question marks because they have the coach in place. They have the quarterback in place. They have one of the best GMs, if not the best GM in football, building up that roster. The Chiefs have Mahomes and, and Andy Reid. They've proven it. But uh, you can go through pretty much all these teams and find critiques. And the one for the Jets would be the question marks. Is Robert Sala the guy? What are you getting from, from the offensive line? And health. That's the biggest thing to me. Those are the biggest factors. That would be my one pushback to Jordan Whitehead. Although his point does ring true. That is going to be a comparison and for good reason, because they were a young team with a really, really, really good defense that is now going to be really fun with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. I can't wait to continue to watch this football team with a legit quarterback in place. Jeff fans deserve this man after watching just slop for years and years and years. So I'm really excited to get into it. Uh, I can't wait for this season to start. It feels like Forever, unfortunately, uh, for whatever reason, it feels like this offseason has gone really, really slow, especially since the draft. I mean, May and now we're into June is creeping. I can't wait for this football season to start, although I don't want to fully wish away the summer. Summer is a phenomenal time, but the 2020 Tampa Bay Buccaneers comp, I like it. And I hope that's what happens in year one. They win a Super Bowl. That would be freaking epic. And along the way, guess what? Guess who that team beat? Aaron Rodgers. And it wasn't Aaron Rodgers' fault, by the way. He played fantastic. His coach was a moron in that game. His coach had terrible clock management. And their corner two got absolutely cooked. Oh, my God. What the heck was his name? 
This is going to bother me if I don't look it up now. So I got to look up the 2020 Packers roster because for some reason I can't think uh, of who that second corner was. Obviously, Jair Alexander was the number one corner. It was Kevin King. There we go. He was atrocious in that game. Adrian Amos was good. I think he had an interception in that game. I, I, I don't, well, yeah, let's do it. Why not? We might as well take a gander and see if he was able to come away with the interception in that game. I'm almost positive that he did. Tom Brady threw three picks in that game. He uh, Rodgers outperformed him. He threw three touchdowns, 346 yards to one interception. Brady was 280, three touchdowns, three picks. 73.8 rating, but they won the game. That's that's freaking football sometimes. Uh, Yeah, Jair, Jair Alexander had two picks. Adrian Amos had one pick. I was right. Anyway, let's stop going down memory lane and get back on track a little bit. We're going to get into the audio files. We have a few good ones to play for you uh, this week. A few audio files to get into. The first comes from The Athletic. Uh, Zach Rosenblatt, who covers the New York Jets for the athletic is obviously a part of the can't wait podcast, which is an athletic vehicle. And he's talking about some of the guy we were just talking about Adrian Amos uh, and how he was almost a Raven and actually almost went back to the Green Bay Packers. But the Jets swooped in late to grab him. Let's roll it. I don't think the Aaron Rodgers factor had necessarily anything to do with this. Maybe they went to Aaron and be like, hey, what do you think, Adrian? Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, you know, he'd visited with the Ravens twice. I think they were only going to make him the third safety and the money wasn't as good. He was also considering going back to the Packers. But the Jet, then the Jets came in. I don't know exactly what day they came with the offer, but it was recent because uh, the, the thought was he was going to be a Raven or a Packer. And then the Jets came in with their offer of one year up to four million. Obviously, the opportunity to start. He's with Aaron Rodgers, chance to compete for a Super Bowl. I'd say the Jets probably have a better chance at the Super Bowl than the Packers, certainly. And and I'd argue the Ravens, but, you know, you could debate about that if you want. But, uh, yeah, so, he, I, you know, he's on the decline. I think as of a couple of years ago, he was viewed as one of the best safeties in the NFL. Last year was probably his worst year. If you look, you know, at his PFF grades and how he, how he looked on the field, especially in coverage, he used to be one of the best coverage safeties in the league as recently as two years ago. Um, was not as good in that area last year. He might not be asked to do as much in this defense because they have such good cornerbacks. Um, Packers do too, but I think the Jets' corners are better. Uh, they have good nickel corner, uh, Michael Carter II, Jordan Whitehead, and Adrian Amos, I think should complement each other a little bit better than Chuck Clark and, and Whitehead did. Uh, I think the Aaron... There we go. Started to loop again on us, but uh, really cool that it seemed like Amos was going to be either a Raven or a Green Bay Packer, but instead... The Jets swoop in late and made a move that they had to make. Unfortunately, Chuck Clark looks like he's going to be lost for the year. They have not confirmed that yet with the second opinion, which I guess is maybe you're holding out a sign of hope that the second opinion, you're getting a better uh, response there, that it's not going to be something, you know, as as bad as maybe something we thought was going to happen with this uh, injury right away. But when looking at, uh, the the rest of that room, it was very obvious that they need to make a they make a pivot and sign someone, uh, and Amos should fill that role. I think quite well, even if he's not one hundred percent the guy he was in like twenty nineteen twenty twenty one. 
last year was tough for him. We went through the numbers when he signed with the Jets. Uh, they, they weren't great. Uh, he let up an, a decent amount of touchdowns, but it's kind of like the chicken and the egg argument. The whole defense of the Packers really stunk, and I think a big part of the 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 struggles for the Packers defensively was they weren't getting the pressure that they were used to from their defensive line. And the rest of that defense took a hit because of it. And obviously that's not going to be a question with this Jets team. They are going to be able to get home because of how good that defensive line is. So in theory, he should be able to maybe not return to form, but if he's 75%, the player that he was uh, in green Bay and on some of those runs to the NFC championship game, then I think they should be, a really damn good football team. A really damn good football team. And he should be a really, really good player for the New York Jets. Again, it was a move that they absolutely had to make. Uh, I didn't see a scenario where they, you know, I uh, couldn't see a scenario where they couldn't not make a move after Chuck Clark's injury. So I uh, wanted to bring that one up. And then this next one I just thought was really funny. This is from uh, the Carton Show on Fox Sports 1. Uh, and it is Garrett Wilson, supposedly. Well, Randall Cobb is talking about Garrett Wilson, who was very quick to remind him of something from this past year. So when you first go to New York, uh, who's the first guy with the Jets that reminds you that the Jets beat you all last year with Zach Wilson at quarterback? <laughs> like, is that one of those things uh, that just like to, uh, so everybody gets humble? Uh, you leave the leave the star oh, on the wall man. kind of thing? <laughs> no, yeah, they, they definitely let me know. They let me know G Dub was probably the first one. Garrett probably came up to me and was like, hey, man, you know, you know, uh, Salah, Salah had a whole speech because we played in London the week before that we played them last year. And normally teams take a bye after London, but you get to pick the team that you're playing after after the London game. And he was like, they chose us. They chose us. <laughs> that let me know. <laughs> that let me know that they, they had us. There you go. So that's just a great moment between two guys in the wide receiver room. Obviously, Garrett Wilson's the lead dog at wide receiver one, as he should be. Uh, but I, I like what Randall Cobb is going to add to this team. I think he's fine as a you know fifth wide receiver, something like that. Uh, last year, I believe it was over 400 yards, 425, 417, and a touchdown. The year prior was 375 and five. In 2020, it was 441 and three. Um, obviously, look, he's not going to be 2014 when he put up 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns or anything like that. But he, he is a valuable piece to trying to install an offense which you know is something that you need help doing and Nathaniel Hackett is great and Aaron Rodgers is great in doing that but having Lazard and Cobb in that wide receiver room to help with the process I think is is good and that that's what I like about Salah getting his guys motivated because he's right they did choose the New York Jets to play they could have taken that by but instead they said nah we'll take the Giants in London and then we'll make the trip back and we'll we'll play them instead. We'll play the Jets. And that was a really, really fun game last year where the Jets ended up dominating the Green Bay Packers in what it was a, I want to say, 24-10 final. 27-10 final score. Even better, actually. 27-10 final score. A dominant, absolutely dominant performance. Not a whole lot of scoring at all in that first half. Uh, it ended up being three to three at halftime, which is just so bizarre. But the Jets really took off in that second half. 
defense played absolutely stellar. Zach Wilson didn't really do much. Uh, 10 of 18 for 110 yards. Uh, but, man, in that second half, I just remember the Brees Hall run. 20 carries, 116 yards, and a touchdown. Barrios had that one run for 20 yards. Uh, it was a fun game, a really, really fun game. And I felt like the Jets arrived because they improved to, what, five, four and two, excuse me, after that win over the Green Bay Packers. Uh, and then they would go out to Denver and beat Denver and improve to, to five and two, which was a four-game win streak. Not really used to uh, four-game win streaks for the New York Jets, but that was a fun one. Good times and uh, love that Garrett Wilson was quick to remember. Just like Sauce Gardner was doing the cheesehead thing, uh, that was that was great. And with the whole recruiting of Rodgers and trying to get him in there with the, with the cheesehead. Now, the last thing is a clip from the Pat McAfee show where he's talking about uh, the energy in the building based off of Aaron Rodgers. It's a longer clip. We won't play the full thing, maybe just a minute or so. Uh, but the reason why this is relevant is because Dalvin Cook liked the tweet, and Dalvin Cook's available. Let's let's roll it. Yep. Everything's going well over there in New York. You, have you heard some of these quotes coming out about the time with Aaron Rodgers as a New York Jets quarterback? Mm -hmm. They are gleaming over there. Oh, yeah. They are beaming fucking... Cheek to cheek. Oh, yeah. They are so happy. Cornerback DJ Reed, it's lit over here, man. There's great energy around the building, especially when I came the first day. Everybody's just happy. Had a smile on their face. There's just a lot of energy in the building. One guy can do that. Even when he came in the building, I was like, dang, that's really AR. He, he's a jet. Linebacker CJ Mosley, pretty good football player. Mm -hmm. It's just a different vibe. He sets the bar. He sets the expectations with his resume, with his name, but, and the way he approaches the game every day. It's not every day you get to go against a future Hall of Famer quarterback. As a defense, we're honored, honored to be in this situation. Wow. Lakin Thomas, he's amazing. Getting to work with that caliber of player makes everyone around him better. They weren't the only ones. Dwayne Brown, just his presence is motivating in itself. I've played against him so many times in my career. You see it up close and you know what he's capable of. I'm very grateful to be part of this and feel the vibe that we have. Holy shit. Are they paid to say this? Yeah. <laughs> are they paid to say this? <laughs> I love it. But again, the reason why this is relevant to the show is because Dalvin Cook liked the, the tweet. And Dalvin is... I think enjoying his time being a free agent because anyone who uh, tweets out like, oh, there should be a link to Dalvin Cook, whether it be the Broncos or the Jets or the Dolphins or the Bills, he's liking tweets about going to all these different places. But with the Jets, there's been an interesting back and forth. I don't see it, but I if they were to do it, I'm not like it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. It's it's adding a guy like Dalvin, but. Robert Sala did leave some up, something up in the air about it more so. He, he was quick to dismiss, is a better way to say it. He was quick to dismiss the DeAndre Hopkins link. Didn't really do that with, with Dalvin. So maybe there is some interest in adding a, a veteran running back to this room. I, I don't know, though. He's definitely on the, on the decline uh, slowing down a little bit. I had the numbers in a video uh, yesterday, but I'll pull it pull it back up briefly on how uh, some of his numbers took a step back. He was last in yards per carry over expected, minus 1.2. He was tied for the league lead in fumbles lost, led the league in runs for no gain or less, third to last in total EPA, 47th highest graded running back according to PFF, uh, which obviously you could take those grades with a grain of salt, but 
clearly a step back. And unfortunately, when running backs approach that age, that's you know that's what happens. They they move on. He's twenty. He'll be twenty eight in August. That's usually when it goes. He's had one, two, three, four straight eleven hundred yard seasons, but the yards per attempt has gone down. It was four four last year, which isn't terrible. Um, but he has a ton of mileage on him now. He has over twelve hundred rushing attempts. 250, 312, 249, 264 the last few years. Um, I, I don't think they do it. I think they stick with the young guys on the team. But who knows? Something to keep an eye on. Uh, that's been a conversation point for this team. And just whether or not they're going to really bring him in or not is still up to up in the air. But my guess would be no. We're going to close out with the voicemails. We got Vinny. He's the only voicemail this week. Vinny from Peak Skill. Let's do it. It's Vinny from Peekskill. <laughs> How you doing? Good. So, I didn't want to talk about your video reacting to the news that Aaron Rodgers supposedly rejected a trade to the Patriots. I'm going to say this. You missed one point okay. in your video, in a very important point. Hit me. Legacy impact. Yes, the Patriots are in a poor position, lacking talent on offense. But it's not just that. Because even if Aaron Rodgers went there, and even if they somehow got enough talent to compete for a championship, and even if they win a championship there, how is it going to be remembered? Aaron Rodgers needed Bill Belichick to help him win a Super Bowl. That's how it's going to be seen by his critics. And that's how it's going to be seen and that's going to bother him. That's why he picked the Jets. Because going to a team that's historically dysfunctional with the fourth longest championship drought and taking that team to a championship has a much larger impact on his legacy as a player in the National Football League. That's another reason why he picked the Jets. And I guess in this case, Pick the Jets off supposedly over the Patriots. That's all, man, and uh, go Jets. Yeah, that's a really valid point because legacy does come into uh, co- come into play here a little bit, obviously with uh, Aaron Rodgers, because right now he only has one championship, and I've spoke already about how I think it's silly that the narrative of a player only having one championship is looked at as a bad thing. I think. Unfortunately, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick have skewed that for a lot of people because of how easy they made it when look when in reality it's so difficult and so challenging to win in this league. Uh, Peyton Manning, it took him for a really long time to get his second Super Bowl. Um, you know, but there are guys who didn't win any that are really good players. There are guys who've won one. Brett Favre is a good example of someone who's only won one Super Bowl, but is a you know a really damn good quarterback. But it matters adding more. If Rodgers gets to that that two number or more, that's going to matter to him and matter for his overall legacy. And you are right; it would be one. Bill, it needed Bill to to get that second one, and then it would also be overshadowed by everything that Tom Brady has already accomplished with not only Bill Belichick, but with that franchise. He's really looked at as the savior of the New York Jets. He doesn't want to be. That's not what he wants to be, but 
That's how he's looked at. And that's what he would be if he's won, if he wins here. I don't think he's naive to that. He's way too smart a guy to be naive to what it would do to his legacy if he won. Not only in New York, but with this team specifically. So that is a really good point to bring up, Vinny, when looking at it. And Vinny never misses an opportunity to throw a jab at the Patriots when, uh, when he can. And after 20 years of doing it to us as Jet fans, watching this team, it's okay if you want to get your, your laps in uh, on, on the Pats. I, I understand it. So that's going to do it for us in this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please make sure to subscribe wherever you get the show, whether it's on YouTube or in audio form. Make sure to subscribe, leave a comment or a review. Really appreciate it. Once again, I am Matt. I'll catch you next time.